Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast Guide to Perth, Australia. This episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is brought to you by TravellersPoint.com. Travellers Point's a friendly community where you can connect with other like-minded travellers. You can also upload your travel pics and start a blog so you can keep your family and your friends updated while you're on the road. So Perth. Well, Perth sometimes gets a bad rap from Australia and the international community because it's so isolated. I mean, sure, it's on the other side of the continental landmass from the other capitals of the other states, but that just brings it closer to Asia, Europe, and, oh, the rest of the world. (laughs) Well, besides its uh, location, Perth has a lot going for it. It's friendly, it's hot, and it has a huge range of events in summer, not to mention the many year-round attractions. If you're planning a trip to Perth and you need a hand planning it, try asking around on the travellerspoint.com Australia forum. Send a message to a travel helper or consult their wiki travel guide to Perth. While you're there, browse their Australia photo gallery or the blogs of other Travellers Point members who have recently visited Perth. You're bound to find some interesting tips and pieces of advice you wouldn't have thought of before. Well, Perth is the capital of Western Australia and it's located on the extreme west coast of Aussie. It's got a population of 1.6 million, which is about 75% of the entire state's population. The language is English, obviously, and it's known for the Swan River, Kings Park, the nearby wine districts of the Swan Valley and Margaret River, the surf beaches and water sports. It's also home to the WACA, which is important if you're into cricket. But if you're not into cricket, not so important. In summer, temperatures range from the high 20s up to around 40 degrees Celsius, and in winter it always remains in double figures, so up to the 20s. Perth's international airport is both international and regional, so it's really just got the one. Price of a pint, about 7 Australian dollars. Price of a dorm bed, from Australian 25 to $35. And price of a public transport ticket, well, it's actually free in the city centre, but around $1.50 a stage outside of that. That's right. All right, on to layout. Well, as you know, Perth is one of the most isolated cities in the world. It's actually closer to Singapore in Asia than it is to Sydney. Weird, huh? It's so weird. The CBD, or Central Business District, is spread out along the Swan River, where you'll also find the Esplanade and the Bell Tower Complex. Like most cities in Australia, Perth spreads into surrounding suburbs, which seem to continue forever. Yep. So to the north of the CBD, you'll find Northbridge, which is known as kind of a party and restaurant suburb. And beyond that are the two cafe and fashion regions, Mount Lawley and Leaderville. If there's no events happening in the city, then head out to one of these ones and you'll definitely find something going on. Yeah, they're um, definitely Northbridge and Leaderville are much more lively than the city centre on Friday and Saturday nights. Yeah, and they're nice to hang out and have a coffee. Yeah. Well, we've been able to review a few budget accommodations around the city. Um, So out of those, the three hostels that have caught our eye are the Billabong Resort, the Witch's Hat and the Emperor's Crown. The Billabong Resort is a little bit out of the city. It's an older building but has a pool and beach volleyball court. The bus stops right outside so it's really easy to get to. There's a big kitchen, there are fridges, there's even a small shop with drinks and hot food and there's a good amount of computers. There's a DVD library as well. And... uh, The Billabong hosts language school students, so it's always very social and active. (laughs) and very loud. And fun. And fun, lots of fun. The Witch's Hat is near Hyde Park, um, to the north of Northbridge. It's all on one floor, but it's got quite small small rooms, uh, small facilities. However, it's very comfortable and there's great people in charge, which always leave it being ranked highly. 
The Empress Crown is the most modern of the three, and it's the closest to town, but it's not as easy to access by public transport, which, oddly, makes it quite difficult to get to. It has good-sized rooms on a few floors. It has an excellent modern kitchen and lots of laundry facilities. Plus, there are several indoor and outdoor spaces to hang out in, TV rooms and computers to use. It's really good. Yeah, in the mid-range, I mean, there are countless hotels throughout Perth, and we haven't really spent much time in them, so we can't say much. But one thing we do need to point out, if you see the word hotel on the side of a building, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a hotel. You'd think it means that, but it doesn't. It just doesn't. Throughout Australia, but especially here in WA, especially here in Perth, a hotel is the name for a public bar. It's a pub. It's so weird. So if you are looking for somewhere to stay, keep an eye out for a sign outside stating the price of rooms. (laughs) If it's only got prices of drinks, then you're probably in the wrong place. Yeah, now some of these uh, hotels will have rooms available, but they're the kind of above-the-bar rooms, so they're not the nicest. Yeah, but they could be quite cheap, so you might be in for a good deal. Another thing to think about are B&Bs. There are heaps dotting the area all around Perth. Yeah, if you are going to be staying at a B&B, we'd highly recommend you hire a car. Public transport here is okay, but it's none too frequent in the outlying areas. So if you are staying in a B&B, make sure you've got your transport sorted. That's right. In the high range, chains like Hilton, Hyatt, Holiday Inn and Mercure all have 4.5 and 5-star hotels in Perth. They're mainly situated in the CBD, or maybe in the Burswood Casino and Entertainment Complex, which isn't too far from the city centre and it's home to many of Perth's big events. If you're looking to book accommodation in Perth, be sure to check the listings on travellerspoint.com. Our sponsors have a great range of properties you can book. You can find hostels, B&Bs, hotels and apartments. Prices range from as little as $20 a night to luxurious hotels costing, well, a little bit more than $20 a night. Just a little. I mean, don't expect to pay too much more. (laughs) You can pay whatever you want. One cool thing about booking on Traveller's Point is that you can meet up with other people who have booked the same place through the website. If you're a little nervous about meeting people, this is a great way to make a new friend before you even leave home. Yeah, and one thing I really like is their integration with Google Street View and their budget accommodation planner. So you can kind of look around the neighbourhood before you show up and get an idea of what to expect. I love Google Street View. Right, food. Well, Australia's food is based on its colonial British foundations, but it's spiced up by its closeness to Asia and the communities that have migrated here, especially Greek community, Italian and other European groups. Yeah, Perth is no different, so you get a really wide variety of food available. There's a wide variety in the CBD, but I think the suburbs outdo them. They do, yeah. yeah. I mean, Northbridge, Leederville and, to a lesser extent, Mount Lawley serve great dishes in small, friendly restaurants. But that said, anywhere you're staying, any suburb has a variety of restaurants to choose from. That's right. One thing to look out for is Hans Cafe. They've got dozens of locations around the place, and they serve good, cheap food from a variety of Asian cuisines. Now, it's certainly not the top notch, but it's always reliable. And it's, it's fast and friendly, I mean, and well-priced, so we really like it. Another place to look out for is Siena's, which is another chain. It's an Italian one, and they have some really good deals on, usually on... Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and sometimes on Sundays as well. In the city, there's a vegetarian place which you should check out. It's called Analakshmi on the Swan. It's by the Bell Tower, which you really can't miss, and it's priced by donation. So there's normally a small number of meals available, 
um, self-service, but you just pay whatever you can afford. So it's not only in a beautiful location, a great view out into the river, but it's also a budget traveler's dream. Yeah, make sure you don't cheap out too much, though, and leave a, leave a fair donation. One place we totally love is Miss Maud's. Now, Miss Maud's is a bakery that you'll see all over Perth. And uh, it's really expensive. And it's really expensive, so we don't shop there. But one place we do shop is the Miss Maud's factory sale on Saturday mornings from 7 till 10. They have a, a great big factory sale, and you can buy heaps of their stuff really cheap. So a large sausage roll might cost around 3 to $4 in their stores, but you can buy half a dozen for 5 bucks in the factory sale. Yeah. So it is the place to go. Ask a local to point you in the right direction. Yeah, if you have access to a kitchen, or even if you don't, you can buy some danishes. But if you do have access to a kitchen, their sausage rolls are divine. Don't forget to do some local shopping. Head to the supermarkets, and especially head to the markets to do your, your grocery shopping and your fruit and veggie shoppings. The Fremantle markets are a good place to go. You can get fruit, veggies, and there are butchers and delis. And basically, Perth has a good range of butchers and delis. I really like it. It does, yeah. And there's good fruit markets and veggie markets, like Linda said, because there is agriculture and farming happening all around the outlying areas of Perth. Everything was actually more expensive than we thought in terms of food. Um, It's probably on a par with American prices from what we've heard, or maybe even a little bit more expensive. So if you're working here, though, wages are in line with the costs, so you'll be right. If you are travelling maybe from Southeast Asia... You'll get a nasty shock. (laughs) When you hit Australia, no matter where you are, you'll get, yeah, a nasty shock. But Perth's real glory isn't its food, it's the drink. Oh, the drink. Two microbreweries have really caught my attention. Uh, Little Creatures, who are based in Fremantle, uh, have some of my favourite beers and a cider that Linda's pretty fond of too. (laughs) They've got a cafe and a tasting room down in the harbour in Fremantle, and it's a great place to go for a Sunday breakfast, and if you're into some heavy drinking, stay on for a Sunday session. Also, Feral Breweries in the Swan Valley is a worthwhile stop amongst a winery tour. And uh, speaking of wineries... Yes, speaking of wineries, if you're going to be in Perth, then make sure you head out and do a winery tour of the Swan Valley. But make sure that your husband doesn't lose his driver's licence before you get there, so that you're not the only one driving. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, if I could only visit three of these wineries again, this is what I'd choose. I'd go to Houghton's, I'd go to Upper Reach, and I'd go to Jane Brook. Yeah, Houghton's, I mean, the wine was fine, but what was great about it was the picnic area. There are the, these great gardens, and it was really nice for families. There were heaps of people playing frisbee or cricket or just having a picnic. Upper Reach possibly had my favourite wines. They had a stylish, modern-tasting room. Um, it was a really nice place to be and to be drinking. Uh, we bought half a dozen bottles and walked away with some free Rydell glassware. Yeah, so, it's the kind of place where you just break your budget. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were amongst my top wines. Yeah. And finally, Jane Brook. I mean, we just had the best experience there. The people behind the tasting desk were just so much fun. It was a really good good experience just working our way through, you know, their whole range. Uh, almost their whole range. They've got a wine, a sparkling wine, which is filled with gold from the Perth Mint. Gold so there's, specks. There's flakes, gold specks. Yeah, flakes <laughs> of gold floating around in the wine and that is just It was so awesome. cool. We saw someone buy a bottle as a Christmas present and it was, oh man, 
They wouldn't let us taste it, though. No. Like everything in this guide, we haven't been paid for it, and we haven't told them that we're reviewing. So um, they weren't going to open up a bottle for us. Might be worth a try next time. <laughs> yeah. All right, on to transport. Well, transport in Perth is constantly being upgraded, and it's recently been really given a good overhaul. The current system is mostly efficient and well-priced. The train network especially is great. The trains are clean, they run on time, and the price is fair. If only it was a bit more extensive, it'd be perfect. If you are catching a train into an outlying area, you'll probably need to catch a bus as well. The trains are fast and convenient, but they do have a long distance between stops. So outside each train station is a bus station, um, and the networks continue from there. The good thing is, when you're buying a ticket, you can buy a zoned ticket, which is for the area rather than a ticket for the train and a ticket for the bus. The other problem is that while the buses are frequent, they don't always run to schedule. Well, where do they? Well, in Switzerland they do. Oh, well, indeed. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you'll probably spend more time than you want to waiting for a bus. One thing, another thing to think about when you're buying a ticket is that you can buy a Smart Rider card, which is one of those smart cards where you tag on and tag off and you get charged less than you would if you were paying for a ticket with cash. And it's great, you get an additional discount, but you do have to pay for the card to begin with, so if you're only here for a short time, it's probably not worth your while. And uh, if you forget to tag on or off, you uh, get charged a fine. Making up for all of the fines that Linda's got for forgetting to tag off is the free transit zone, which basically covers the whole CBD and many of the central suburbs. There are even special buses that just trawl the city centre, which are called CATS, which are central area transit buses. And there are three routes, the uh, red, blue and yellow. Yeah, so these are hop on, hop off, completely free. If you're getting on a regular bus and you are travelling inside the free transit zone, simply tell the driver that you're getting off inside the zone and you just take your seat. That's it. That's great. All right, on to free attractions. Now, Perth has so many free attractions. We totally love it. We'd recommend you start with Kings Park, which is a magnificent park, kind of just above Perth. It's, yeah, it's about a 10-minute walk or a 15-minute walk. You can go by bus, of course, but it's just magnificent. Yeah, re- it's a really large park. It's got botanical gardens, war memorial. It's got uh, free outdoor picnic areas with um, barbecues. Mm-hmm. So you just um, turn on the gas barbecue and you can cook yourself a meal. The thing I really like about Kings Park is that it's got plants from all over Australia laid out in really well laid out gardens. And the view over Perth and over the Swan River is just incredible. There's a museum and art gallery right next to the main train station, which are entry by donation. So do drop five bucks in the donation if you go in, but um, it's not compulsory, so we're going to class it as a free attraction. One really good way to see Perth is to hop on the cat buses, especially the blue cat and the red cat. Just hop on and, you know, stay around for a whole route and see what you like. Hop off at the uh, museum and the art gallery and also hop off at the bell tower where you can hear the swan bells ring. The Swan Bells were a gift from the City of London. I think they came from St. Martin's in the Fields. And uh, they've been installed in this nice, especially built bell tower. It's really cool. If you're into shopping, well, the main shopping area is basically the city centre. There are two parallel streets called Hay Street and Murray Street. And there are a whole bunch of interconnecting malls that connect the two streets. There's also Harbour Town, which is an outlet store. Uh, It's available on one of the cat routes, or you can just walk through the city centre and get there. And of course you can head down to Fremantle for the markets on the weekend. I would recommend just walking along the Swan River. It's 
beautiful there. Um, you get some lovely pink sunsets. And, yeah, it's just really nice to it walk along, nice, yeah. look at the birds, and just chill out. If you're into beaches, then head out to Cotter's Lower Scarborough. And if you're into partying, well, Northbridge is the place to go. Well, let's move on to some paid attractions. If you are in the city itself, there aren't really that many attractions there. Yeah, you'll just have to do the free stuff. Yeah, what a shame. <laughs> there is, however, the Perth Mint. Now, we've mentioned the gold flakes from there before. Um, the Perth Mint is obviously where they used to make coins. Uh, you can still watch gold being poured there. If you're a coin collector, it's going to be a fantasy land for you. And yeah, if you like sparkly things, the Perth Mint is the place to go. Within an hour or maybe just a 20-minute bus ride, you can head out to Aqua, which is the aquarium of WA. And it's really nice. It's got an- animals from all over the coast of Western Australia. Or head out to Penguin Island, which is a chance to see some cute penguins and some lazy sea lions. Yeah, we've got some video of Penguin Island on the um, Indie Travel podcast, don't we? Yeah. So you can find that in the show notes. Um, There's also Cavisham Wildlife Park, which we would recommend over the Perth Zoo. It's like a big outdoor wildlife park, so um, there's tours going around. You've got a chance to see koalas up close, feed some kangaroos, and you know, see all the Australian wildlife. Yeah, and they have a really good farm show, so you can get an idea of what farming life in Australia is like. And you can even milk a cow. (laughs) Milk a cow, yes. (laughs) Um, Rottnest Island is a place where almost all Perth dwellers go on their holidays for at least a weekend. So if you're here for an extended time, definitely go out overnight or make a day trip of it. It's about 30 minutes away uh, from Fremantle by ferry, or about 90 minutes from um, the bell tower. Hire a bike and see as much as you can, but watch out for the very imaginatively named brown snakes. They're highly venomous. Yeah, and there's also, also the dugite out there, which are highly venomous and pretty aggressive too. Don't you love Australia? But they also have the quokka. Ah, the quokka. It's great. When the first people saw got to Rotten Island, they saw these kind of large rat-like animals. And they thought, ah, they're a large rat-like animals. They thought they were rats, so they called the island Rotnest Island. Rot being rat. Rat in Dutch. Dutch. However, they're not rats. They're marsupials, and they're incredibly cute. If you wanted to head a bit further out, consider New Norcia, which is a Spanish monastic town, or the Pinnacles, which are a really interesting rock formation out in the desert. Lots of little towers of rock standing up in the middle of the desert. It's great. We went up there on a tour up to the Pinnacles, and we were in a four-wheel drive bus. So we got to play in the sand dunes in Lancelin and and drive around up there. You can also hire your own car. Um, The roads are pretty straight, and if you manage to get lost, something's seriously wrong. Yeah, hiring a car is a good idea, but I'd recommend a bus tour because quite often your tour guide is really informative and you get a commentary that you'd never know about if you weren't on a tour. Perth has many seasonal attractions, and they centre around the summer months. So, at the moment, there are plenty of outdoor cinemas going on. There's got to be at least a dozen different cinemas. They're amazing. I mean, they're showing all different types of films, from Hollywood blockbusters to local films to indie films. It's magnificent. It is. There's also quite a few music festivals that go on here. Uh, Many of them are quite small, but they do pull in some big names. Yeah, I mean, there's also the big day out and things like Opera in the Park and Symphony Under the Stars, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, thinking of culture, the Perth Festival's on around March each year. Uh, it's a big arts festival with local and international acts coming in. There's music, dance, literature, theatre. It's brilliant. All sorts of cool things going on. Another thing to think about is Australia Day. Now, it's very important that you get cultural and have a barbecue. Put on your Australian clothes, get an Australian flag, drink a lot of beer. <laughs> yes. Another specially Australian thing is the Melbourne Cup, which happens around November. This is one of the biggest horse races, certainly in the Southern Hemisphere, if not the world. Um, the state of Victoria gets a public holiday, but the people out here don't really work much either. Yeah, people tend to go to work in the morning, all dressed up to the nines. They'll lay a bed and they'll just wear funny hats and have a great day. Um, there's also the Red Bull Air Race, which happens each year. There's a food and wine month. And there's Spring in the Valley and the Margaret River Festival. So even though this is a very small place, there's lots going on. They really try and push these events and, and draw attractions together. One thing I would like to mention is Christmas. Now, if you're from the Northern Hemisphere, you might not have experienced a Southern Hemisphere Christmas. There's all the normal things like carols by candlelight and fireworks, but it's all outside because it's hot. You're hot. It's great. So if you are from the Northern Hemisphere experience the novelty of a barbecue on the beach at Christmas. It's great. Yeah, come down where it's 35 to 40 degrees on Christmas Day and you've got to get some snorkeling or diving gear as a Christmas present, otherwise <laughs> you'll fry. Um, before we close up, let's talk about guidebooks. Now, I've had the Eyewitness Guide to Australia highly recommended by a guy I met, Jim. Um, he didn't have the local Perth guide, but he highly recommended the General Australia guide. And there's always the traditional route of the Lonely Planet. They have the Perth and Western Australian guide, which is pretty solid. Yeah, it should be, since our Lonely Planet was founded and is based in Australia. You'd hope they'd be able to get home right. You would hope so. However, the most recent guide was published in 2007, so keep an eye out for a new one coming out soon. Rough Guides is also a solid option with great background info along with all of the typical hints, tips and outlines you'd expect. Now there's a new digital service called offbeatguides.com and they're offering an interesting service. I don't know if I like it or not, but basically they're taking all of the free information you can find online from places like Wikitravel and Wikipedia and putting it into a very pretty PDF that you can print off or just have as a PDF and it costs you 10 bucks. Yeah, you can also get them to print it on demand and post it out to you for about 25 in a proper bound book. At the moment, the Perth Guide hasn't had any extra information added to it. So if you're willing to do the research by yourself, you can head around these various online sources and get all of the information you'd get for the $10. However, if you're lazy, it might be worth, worth a look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your favourite memory of Perth so far? My, one of my favourites is just being hot. I love being hot. After being in Europe for two years where it was cold even in summer, it's just nice to be sweating. Yeah? Yep. That sounds lovely. Yeah. I'm really Perspiring, <laughs> I suppose women perspire. Yeah, yes, women don't sweat. Um, I've really enjoyed seeing some of the wildlife. So being out, seeing some snakes, um, the amazing amount of bird life. Yeah. Um, there's great kind of local parrots, ibis, ducks, just all over the place, all the time. So I'm really enjoying the varied amount of wildlife, the quokkas, the snakes we've talked about. Yeah, definitely. It's brilliant. Yeah, I agree with you. I love walking to work through the park every morning. It's just so nice seeing the ducks grow up from ducklings and seeing the ibis and the other weird animals that 
been around pukekos they don't call it that yeah a type of swamp here yeah. yeah there's an amazing amount of wildlife and it's really refreshing to be back in a place with it yeah so someone's been in perth where to next well it really depends on where you've come from firstly you should definitely explore wa a bit more head up to monkey Mere or broom or into the interior but whatever you do don't miss out on the margaret river wine region hire a car and head south for a few days then come back to catch your onward flight yeah, it is pretty far to drive across Australia. People do do it. Make sure you travel in a convoy. Make sure you're well prepared. You've got good communication because there's a whole lot of nothing between Perth and anywhere else. Yeah, I just wouldn't even recommend it. I think you're much better catching an interior flight and hiring a car when you get there. Well, if you are flying, your options are Uluru or um, Ayers Rock, as it's commonly known, in the centre. Um, there's Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne or Hobart, which are the state capitals. And there's also Canberra. Enough said. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd leave Canberra out of it. Yeah. If you've arrived from the eastern states, grab a cheap ticket up to Asia, Singapore, KL or some other Asian city. Yeah, Bali's really close as well. Asia's just there. It's just there. It's Four only, hours, five hours. Yeah, absolutely. It's much closer to fly to, say, Bali, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur than it is to fly over to the east coast of Australia. It's crazy. So it's a great jumping off point um, if you are going from Australia up to Asia. Definitely stop in at Perth first. Well, that brings us to the end of this guide. It was produced in February 2009, which means that if you're listening to it a bit later than that, things have probably changed, so you'll need to look into it. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Before we finish, I'd like to thank our sponsor again and tell you about a special part of their website, which is the Travel Guide. Unlike your average guidebook, anyone can write, update, or change the travelerspoint.com travel guide. Plus, if you write something for their guide, you can even learn a little bit of money through their advertising system. This month, Travelers Point are running a competition and giving away a $100 accommodation voucher, which is all good. All you need to do is write an article off their suggested articles list and you'll go into the running for some free accommodation. Yeah, so if you get by and edit some of that before the 20th of March, you will be in the running for that 100 buck accommodation voucher. I'm going to go and get editing. <laughs> <laughs> well, drop by the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com for more free audio guides, great travel tips, and articles from travellers all around the world. Yeah, if you're interested in sponsoring an episode of the Indie Travel Podcast, like Travellers Point have done, or you'd just like to say good day, then send us an email, mail at indietravelpodcast.com, and Linda or I will get back to you. So until next week, travel well.